You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another shift on the Geek's Watch. <laughs> That's right. This is the Geek's Watch, and we're still talking about Umbrella Academy Season 2. We're moving on to Episodes 7 and 8 in the season, and uh, man... It was hard to stop at eight at the end of eight. Oh God, it, was. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> like, I mean, I get it that Steven went ahead and watched all the episodes earlier, but this was the only time when I was like, no, nope, I need to watch the next one, but I couldn't. So, <laughs> yeah, I instantly like turned off my TV so I would stop. I was like, no, stop. Like, turn it off. Just give in, guys. Accept no. it. I won't be able to fake it that I don't know what's happening. Like, I will let it slip. I'm not faking it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm the same way. I wouldn't be able to not talk about the thing that I know is coming. Yeah. Like. So it was it was very hard to keep in my mind Anderson and the Coopers do, doing the whole funeral scene. <laughs> that was the hardest one. And uh, I was to say. Steven's been talking about the soundtrack this whole season. And obviously it's because of Backstreet Boys. That's the reason why he uh, got into it. That's it's why he likes the soundtrack the most. I was hoping it was because of the butthole surfers. I was so delighted when that came on. Dude, I mean, I haven't heard that song in forever. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is such a random pull. <laughs> they come with the hits, man. Every single song on this album, or on the, well, if this was an album, um, on this soundtrack is flawless. I, I I guess I kind of would rather them had a lot more songs that were just from the time period, though. Like the the modern day songs throwing in there just kind of throws me off, takes me out of it. Well, I think that's kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah, I'm to remind you that they're not from that time period; they're from I now. I guess that's a that's a point. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for it. <laughs> the way that, that you said it was like that. There is a thing you said. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's a reason. Yeah, that's definitely a reason. I, I just I don't I, I the way I would rather have seen it is that there was more songs from the time period. Now, Mitch, if someone hands you a song from the future and hands it back, or if your grandma from the past hands you a song from the future, what <laughs> happens to that song? It becomes a wop. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that that's a shout out to one of the videos that's posted to our Patreon that you can have access to. If you are one of our Patreons, Mitch, if people wanted to become a Patreon, where, where would they go? You would go to patreon.com slash Media, and you could be our patron. And we have one new patron. I don't know if we should actually mention that person because it's a person that's a part of our network. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> but Andy Conchola is the newest patron. Hey, <laughs> Patreon. If we kick him out now, he's outside money. I'm just saying. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't feel like that's a good trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so before we get into Umbrella Academy, we'll get into our week's watch. So, Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So, uh, Mitch has continued me on my karate movie education adventure. Look, I found a niche that she really only cares for like 80, 90, 80s, 90s action movies. <laughs> so, I was already going to watch this movie, and she just cave in and watched it with me i wasn't putting this one down as a hey you should watch this as your quote-unquote movie education i mean that's not how i remember this going but uh (laughs) we watched rumble in the bronx which was a 1995 jackie chan movie Mm -hmm. good movie (laughs) it's a very good movie it was good it was so ridiculous that I I had a hard time kind of getting into it because it was just so out there. I mean, that was that's the point of all Jackie Chan movies. And this is the like breakout hit for his American like movie career. But it wasn't uh, the tuxedo? What are you talking about? No, <laughs> no. Tuxedo is when he started using wires and stunt doubles. Huh. Did not know that one. Because before that, you know, it's all him, like him jumping his own and, and doing his own stunts and stuff like that. And that's yeah. that's the reason why you watched Jackie Chan movies is because yeah. you knew that he could actually kill himself at any any well, given moment. And, it, and we watched the bloopers for this movie after the credits. And yep. we saw him wandering around in a cast and getting elastic fake shoes put on so that he could redo stunts that he just broke his leg doing Yep. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> which, you know, there are all sorts of other issues with that, but that's fine. <laughs> there was just, there was some things like the hovercraft Yep, that was just so ridiculous. And you could tell that they probably used that in the movie simply because they thought it'd be cool to have a scene where someone gets run over by a hovercraft. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> But like, and it was, <laughs> and like, but the thing is, is two people get run over. This is true. Jackie Chan gets run over, mm-hmm. and then the bad guys get run over. And when Jackie Chan gets run over, not a scratch on it. When the bad guy gets run over, his entire front half has road rash. It's because the bad guy was on asphalt, and, the, and Jackie Chan was in the sand. Like he sunk into the sand. <laughs> it makes all kinds of physics sense. Perfect. It's he checks out. <laughs> <laughs> and like the scene where they tear down the convenience store. Mm-hmm. One, how did they not hear them hook? Because like it had to have taken some time to hook up all those chains. And B, why doesn't he use his skills to start unhooking stuff? He just runs upstairs and does nothing. That doesn't make that doesn't fit. So that's one of the things about like Jackie Chan also in his movies. He's always the guy that doesn't not so much that he doesn't know how to fight because he knows how to fight, but it's always like the second thought, the run away and, you know, <laughs> grab somebody or grab something and get, get out of there is the first thought. It's always like when he's cornered and then all of a sudden there's a thing near him that he can grab and use like, like the shopping cart or, or uh, that's actually why I love his movies. Cause I absolutely, that's always what I think of is, you know, there was a time 
still in my life in which I'd go in a room and be like, okay, bad guys come. What am I grabbing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a ladder. Like, there's a chair. Like, isn't there, is it Dat Fan? Is it Dat Fan who had the comedy routine where he's supposed to be Jackie Chan, like at a urinal, and someone starts attacking him and he's just like, stop, I just want to be your friend? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's Dat Fan, but that does sound familiar. And yes, that would be exactly what Jackie Chan would do. He's, he's trained as a uh, as a theater artist, a theater actor before he like as he trained I, for as a martial artist. Yeah, well, he was trained as a clown, I think. The, I mean, that's what that Mandarin theater, Royal Theater, does. It trains you yeah. in all those things. Yeah. So, I did enjoy it, but it was just kind of so ridiculous it that is. some of it I was like, kind of takes me out of it. And I don't know why I have a harder time with this than I do like Big Trouble in Little China, because obviously that is also <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I think it's one of those when did I first see it kind of things. Exactly. But uh, yeah, no. So that was the latest in my uh, movie education on <laughs> 80s and 90s action movies that have somehow morphed into just kung fu movies. I mean, that's kind of what the 80s and 90s were for action <laughs> movies. There's always going to be someone doing some type of martial arts. I want to recommend Surf Ninjas for you guys' next one. Oof. Oof. I love that movie so much. No, no. Mitch has another uh, marathon obligation that I have. She does. This coming week. We'll discuss next week. Yeah, we'll probably end up discussing that next week. Okay. I really hope you guys watch uh, Operation Condor and Jackie Chan's Who Am I at some point, because I think those are the peak Jackie Chan movies right there. Who Am I is great. Operation Condor is not bad. Super Cop, is, I think, is great. <laughs> I like that Just a little <laughs> bit of random Jackie Chan trivia. He was in uh, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. That's in right. The, scene, the famous scene where he whips out the nunchucks and just starts taking out fools. Uh, he actually really hit Jackie Chan in the head and knocked him out. <laughs> that's probably where he lost his fear of death in movies <laughs> I mean the brain the, damage does some funny things the nunchucks in that weren't like wood nunchucks so it it's still still fine but he obviously got knocked he got hit hard enough to be knocked out so yeah that's that's more of the feat for that one like, there aren't real nunchucks but he still got hurt enough to lose consciousness <laughs> But so, and we watched it on, you rented it on Amazon Prime. I did. I rented it on Amazon Prime. Which we got refunded for because we were having technical difficulties. So Amazon's like, we feel bad for you. Yeah. I got a, I got a email like a couple of days later. It said, we noticed that you had like connection issues and you, the movie had to keep restarting. So we're refunding the $3.99 that you paid for that movie. And I was like, awesome. Wow. That's nice. That works for me. Yep. So it's on Amazon Prime for rent. Also to watch that movie and, and watch all the the bad dubbing <laughs> yeah, that is true it's also that might extremely be the pro- weird that That's, might have been that a is problem the thing for that me. you have an issue with and that it's might. because apparently i looked it up and all the different stars spoke different languages like not just jackie chan speaking mandarin and some people speaking english but there was other people that were speaking german and some people speak and they all just said their lines in their own language and then they dubbed it over in english what yeah That's so no one really knew what they were saying to each other <laughs> That's how they film in China, or at least that's how they used to. I don't know if that's yeah. still the case, but they would do no. And I think old Italian spaghetti westerns were the same way. Yep. Where they, they recorded no onset audio. It was all done in post. And uh, 
Also, huh. this wasn't filmed in New York. It was filmed very clearly in like Vancouver or something. Or oh yeah, it was yeah. definitely yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it was Vancouver for New York. That's exactly what they said. Yeah. But or Toronto for New York, one of the two. Canada. Yeah. It's, so yeah. Maybe, maybe it was the dubbing that that was the difference for me. But it was in either case, good movie, but bad watching experience. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right, Stephen, what'd you watch this week? I didn't actually. Well, I watched a lot of things, but those will come in time in time yeah because i watched a lot of the dceu films oh uh, so you're gonna do one big old talk about it no i'm just waiting for later on when the Zack snyder cut comes out and uh, then I'll, uh, like, i'm just gonna bottle this up and then have it all spill out <laughs> and like fester <laughs> and spill over kind of like kind of like the snyder cut <laughs> yeah. it, it'll just be less expensive at least yeah. financially emotionally i don't know it in four parts yeah right <laughs> it'll be a four hour long rant that's for sure <laughs> that's true that's true Stephen did text me throughout most of the week being like wait did this also happen in the earlier parts of the dceu and i'm like nah they just kind of threw yeah. that at you in this movie <laughs> but i mean it was good um through most of those things uh i actually used that as the thing that was playing on the tv while i was doing exercise and whatnot so it was like mindless stuff to watch and make me feel bad enough to continue exercising, seeing all those fit people on screen. I mean, it, that's good motivation. It's like when I watched Lost back in the day and all I ever thought was, man, these people are so fit. I should exercise. I mean, they are on a deserted <laughs> island. I, I, should, <laughs> I should travel to a deserted island and try to survive on it. Maybe then I'll actually get fit. <laughs> they, they had a good workaround for why Hurley wasn't losing weight. Yeah, he, he just kept it. eating... He was just eating jars of mayonnaise <laughs> and ranch dressing. Oh. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Why was he like that? <laughs> they uh, had to find a workaround. It worked. But really, did you have to, like, with all the ridiculousness? Like, I mean, that's the problem? Honestly, they weren't, not, they weren't really on that island for that long. That's true. Yeah, also also very true. Um, no, the, the thing that I actually took in that was the most significant piece of media... Um, was actually a thing that I texted Mitch about. Uh, it's an audio drama, I guess. Radio play. I don't. I don't know what term we want to go with for these anymore. Because not yeah, all of them have audio dramas are best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I I actually listened to a thing called the Left Right Game. Uh, I I chose to listen to it on Google Podcast, but I think it's probably across all audio services. You know. Um, but essentially, the the Broadstrokes pitch for the thing is it stars Tessa Thompson. So that's going to get a bunch of people in the door in the first place. And then also um, John Billingsley, who I love so much, plays a background character. Um, he was Dr. Flox in That's right. uh, Star Trek and so many other things. He's just an awesome character actor with a very specific voice. But uh, Tessa Thompson is a, a journalist of some sort who's taking a tape recorder around with her for a story that she's doing very novel and the exact same opening as every other radio drama ever uh, <laughs> audio drama, but she's looking into this online conspiracy um, paranormal event of some sort that's been put across some message boards and things. And there's a guy who is putting a group together to explore this phenomena that they're looking at or talking about uh, essentially. Okay. I was just going to say, so is this the thing where it's like you're only hearing the parts where the recorder was on? Yes. Okay. But, I mean, depending on the character, because there are two different 
sides of this one. Um, one is very minimal compared to Tessa Thompson, but the 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 recorder for one guy is just kind of like always on. But um, in, in the story, like the way that the thing is supposed to work is that you're going down a road, and at any turn that you come to, you take a left, then a right, then a left, then a right, forever. And at some point in this, I think it's supposed to be 34 turns in or something like that. Uh, 34 turns in after a certain point, at the very least. You start to go into another world that's very different from ours. And at the beginning, they have a guide for this. And obviously, at some point, that guide runs out. But it's sound designed wonderfully. And the story is very, very interesting. I binge listened to the whole thing. (laughs) Um, they're they're about like 30 to 35 minutes a piece for each episode which is very digestible um it was fantastic i can't recommend it highly enough if there was some version of this that was a little bit longer had behind the scenes content of some sort that i could pay for i would absolutely do it but it's just free that's what i was gonna ask is this is this a free thing was this a that's interesting okay so yeah if you can find it on your podcatcher or your Google Play or probably on iTunes for free, then you should check it out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so would you say this is like the audio version of found footage movies? Yeah, v- very much so. Which I, I I love found footage films. Just in I general. hate found footage films, but this sounds great. <laughs> I hope you listen to it. I re- I really do. Um, this is the kind of thing that I'd very much like to get into doing more. But th- for this one, um. For anyone, I, I don't know a good corollary for it in film, but for anyone who's played games and is more of an indie game person or someone who listens to this and finds themselves liking it, the, I felt a lot of similarities between this and a game called Oxenfree. But I, I don't think anyone here has played that one. But if anyone nope. has, rings any bells for you, go listen to this or vice <laughs> versa. Okay, the title of it again one more time. Left Right Game left right game yeah sounds good hey before you go what what you don't have to get into what you thought of them but what what dc movies did you watch over the week uh so i watched justice league um batman versus superman (laughs) and something else but i can't remember (laughs) was it birds of prey was it shazam suicide i did did rewatch uh birds of prey recently though that movie still holds up very good unlike my like fourth watch Man of Steel? Did you watch Man of Steel? No, that one's next, though. Okay. So you're going backwards from Justice League. That's weird. (laughs) I mean, for this one, it's not like I haven't had to hear everything about the way these movies went and know those characters in the first place. (laughs) I didn't hate Man of Steel. I I recommend you like it a lot better. Yeah. I I like it. It's it's top of the DCEU. (laughs) It's like Right under Wonder Woman, probably. Right under Wonder Woman. That's fair. But that could be because I really love the the music in it, mm. like the soundtrack okay. to Man. Have you seen Birds of Just Prey? so. Ugh. I haven't. It's it's on my list. I'm going. I know. I think I might. I might do. I might rewatch the whole DCEU and watch the ones that I haven't seen yet before the Snyder Cut comes out. Maybe I'll try. Oh, you got plenty of time. I I feel yeah. really bad for everyone who had to watch BVS. And then not with this longer cut, which apparently gives more context to things, because I still feel like there wasn't a lot of context to things. I was gonna say there's, n- <laughs> I, I really don't feel like there's a lot of cu- context put in with the with the longer cut with the Snyder cut I, of that. I watched um, BVS 
in theater by myself because nobody at the time wanted to go with me. And it was so hard to like not just talk through the whole thing because I literally like because some lady tried to like sat like right next to me for some reason. And I was like, like, like leaning over. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, that was horrible. (laughs) I needed somebody there. (laughs) That's what it was. You what was that best friends with her. It was Granny's peach tea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's so. later. Four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, what did you watch this week? Um, I went to visit a friend, and she was utterly shocked that I had yet to see the new Emma that came out earlier this year. And so that was one of the first things she made me do, especially since this friend in particular had introduced me to all versions of Pride and Prejudice and all other Jane Austen films. So she was very upset with me. And I'm glad she made me watch it. I know. That's the one with Anna Joy, right? uh, Yeah, I think so. It's the newest one. It's got um, the one I like vividly remember is Bill Nye, not the science guy, but the actor Bill Nye. Um, is the father in it. Right. Yeah, it's like Bill N-I-G-H-E, I think is how he spells his name. Oh, naive. So naive. It, okay. It, it's it's Bill Close. Yeah. <laughs> Bill soon. Bill soon. <laughs> but uh no, it was it was perfect. It was like the sets were beautiful, the costumes were great, the music was great. It actually might be one of my top Jane Austen films. In general, probably number two to the five-hour Jane Austen BBC because we <laughs> can beat the five-hour Jane Austen BBC version with um, Colin Firth as Darcy. But um, uh, no, it was it was great. the The Mister Knightley character, which I'm sorry, I should have looked up the actors, but he was probably my favorite version of Mister Knightley. Um, which, for anybody who knows, Clueless is Emma. So, Mr. Knightley's character is the Paul Rudd character. So, the lead guy character in Clueless. That helps. But, um, but no. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Clueless is, is a modern version of the Jane Austen story of Emma, in which a super high socialite decides to try to better her lower ranking friend. And does it in just a horrible way. It's definitely one of those things where you're not quite rooting for the main character in the beginning. But you see such growth in the main character that you end up liking her by the end of the film. And and this mm-hmm. was very well done. Like, they, the actors themselves, like, looked like, like they looked at paintings of people from that time. And just put them in a movie. So they weren't like exceptionally good looking. Like even though this is like a romance film. They looked like Elizabethan people. Which weren't exceptionally great looking people. Because of how they did their hair. And makeup and all that stuff. So it, it just looked like it was filmed. In that time period. Which I think was refreshing. And it was also had a lot of comedy in it. And it was just. I highly recommend it to people who like Jane Austen. And even people who don't like Jane Austen. I think it's just a really well made film. Um, and I do believe it was up for some nominations. I think it won, but I can't remember what it won for. But Be- between between this one and 2020's Little Women, which do you think you would prefer to rewatch again? It was 2019, wasn't it? Was it 2019? Was it 2019? Yeah. Oh, time. It was like December, right? It was the end of 2019. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. Um, yeah, so speaking of other films I have yet to see that I probably should have seen when they came out, I have yet to see Little Women. <laughs> it's so good. I was really busy at the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020, and then COVID happened, and then it's like I'm catching up. <laughs> I was going to say, that means you've had like the last like five months to do whatever you want. Hey, not all of us have. <laughs> well, I just, I didn't realize like these things were like up for, like, I didn't even realize they were like available for me to watch on platforms yet. I was literally like, oh yeah, I wanted to watch that movie. So I need to, yeah, I need to get back onto all the movies I missed back in that time. And Actually, I think that's pretty interesting because I think without, because of like the way that streaming outlets do originals, like they definitely push their originals more. That's why people tend to watch those before they watch like they, before they understand, they know that things that yeah. were in the theater have now are now available for you to watch at home because we don't do home rentals all that much anymore. Like people do iTunes and uh, yeah. Amazon prime, but like most of the time it's, I don't think, I don't feel like a lot of people do VOD all that often. No. Well, I mean, and it's right. They don't advertise for it. Like they advertise for their original movies, but like if I had known, hey, now on Amazon Prime for 4.99, Emma, I'd been like, yeah, finally. Like Yeah. I would have yeah. watched it, but I, I had completely forgotten about this film until my friend was like, what do you mean you haven't watched it? Like how <laughs> dare you not watch it? So, um she also introduced me to HBO Max's Oh, which by the way, I watched that actually she had it downloaded on VOD, so I'm oh, sure cool. it's available for rent everywhere, but she she owned it. So, um, and but she did also introduce me to HBO Max's the movies documentaries, which goes through. It's basically like if you remember the CNN decades documentaries, right? They went through the decades. It's like that, but for movies, it's most excellent. All of you guys should watch it. Um, they start with the golden age of movies so like the good chunk of like from the silence to like i think the 1950s and then it goes decade to decade for movies and i just i learned a lot of things that i didn't know about and also they kind of go into like what's going on in the background when this movie is being filmed like i learned a lot like i thought i knew a relatively good amount about the movie casablanca i didn't realize how important certain scenes in it were because of what was going on in the world at the time and what was going on with the actors at the time, like exactly how poignant the, I think it's the, the, the scene in which they're singing in the bar when they sing their anthems in the bar and like what that actually meant to the individual actors who were actually, most of them were immigrants from Germany at the time fleeing Nazi Germany, or at least new people even that were in concentration camps. Like, yeah. so it's pretty pretty interesting i learned a lot i think i ended up watching until the 90s and so i need to get on hbo max and finish it because i'm pretty sure there's a little bit more that's awesome all right most excellent and i do have one more thing i through my library um audiobook borrowing app i borrowed a full cast version of neil gaiman's the sleeper and the spindle nice yes i know which is um, really well done. It's sort of like a twist on both Snow White and Sleeping Beauty mixed at the same time. It is utterly amazing. It might be my favorite version of Snow White in general. Like, I absolutely loved how he wrote for Snow White. And I think it was like an hour long to listen to with this full cast. It was for free to listen to, but I kind of want to go and buy the book because it's a, also a beautifully illustrated book. Um, so... Highly, highly recommend that too. See if you can download it 
for free through your library ebooks and audiobooks options. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's one thing I love about Neil Gaiman is that he's, he's such a prolific writer, but then also has like no controversy around him. Like you never hear anybody <laughs> just say like, he's terrible or, you know, something, he did something bad or, you know, he wrote all of his writings. I honestly don't think he gives himself time to be a bad person. Like he's, <laughs> if you look at how much he does, like all he does is work. So the only like bad things that could possibly be about Nye Gilman it, or Neil Gaiman is if somebody interprets his stuff wrong and then throws controversy at what he's physically writing, like as being the controversy. Cause he just, that guy doesn't stop. I don't think. There, there, actually, there is one person who takes severe umbrage with that man. Another author. Uh, who I believe died. He worked on a project with him. Oh, Terry Pratchett. Yeah. <gasps> he was very mad. No. Uh, yeah. Cause, they uh, worked on Good Omens together. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Was, I'm surprised. I don't remember if it was Good Omens or a different thing, but there was some project that they had worked on. I believe it was Good Omens. Um, that <laughs> he was so mad about the way that credit was dispersed, I believe, <laughs> for that one. Uh, and well, that, I mean, it's a consistent thing. Then, that he just needs to have a better lawyer. That's, that's, yeah, that's like business contracts and stuff like that. That's not necessary. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, it's generally just which name will sell this better. Like that's generally what it is. It's yeah. Usually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, we are so far the three of the people that have said his name so far. We're the only people that I've ever heard say his name in this manner. People usually say Gaiman. So I is it? I've always said Gaiman because it sounds things. cooler. Because it sounds cooler. <laughs> you should probably ask the gentleman how he is that how he says his name. Yeah, yeah, probably should. But I, I don't say things right because I learned how to read in Texas. So <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, I've heard Amanda Palmer refer to him as Gaiman. So that's how I say it. As Gaiman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, that, it's the cooler version of the name, regardless. <laughs> Amanda, who's Amanda Palmer? Why does that name sound familiar? Uh, she's the singer for the Dresden Dolls, and I think she's in a relationship with him. Oh, okay. Oh. One would hope you would know how to pronounce his name then. <laughs> <laughs> Not always the case. High school flashbacks with the Dresden Dolls. The Dresden Dolls. <laughs> Just know the one song. All I listened to for a slight while. Okay. Okay, John. What did you watch this week? All right, so this was a shittacular week for me. Uh, so I needed. You a watch BVS something... too? <laughs> <laughs> they made a part two to that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the RNC was just all over the place. No, um, uh... <laughs> no. So um, I needed a little something to kind of pick me up a little bit, and I decided to watch one thing that. Uh, Beth mentioned uh, a while ago the uh, Eliza Schlesinger. I can never oh. pronounce that correctly. Uh, unveiled right. special, mm-hmm. and uh, also grouped it with uh, Nikki Glaser's "Bangin." Um, kind of in the similar vein. They both are very. I have to say, Beth definitely underplayed how animated Eliza <laughs> is on stage. <laughs> 
favorite. Um, I really appreciate that you didn't spoil that she did an exorcist walk in high heels. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy shit. And, I feel uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I love her stand-up. Um, so yeah, both of these were really great. Uh, didn't help my mood, but it was funny. Um, <laughs> and then I was kind of made to watch against my uh, own judgment, Jumanji, uh, the sequel? or The, the next level? Well, technically the third one, I guess. If, yeah, the next uh, level? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I haven't really seen the first one. Uh, well, the, the, one, the first one with The Rock. So welcome to the Jungle. You didn't welcome watch Welcome to the, to the Jungle first before you watched the next level? Well, again, this, was like, this was against my will. I just kind of <laughs> made to put it on, and there was nothing else to do, so I just sat there and watched it along with the kids. Um, ah, there we go. I was like, "How is it against? What are you?" Uh, I wanted to watch, uh, and I did actually. I watched uh, the new documentary series on Netflix, uh, High Score, mm. which is the uh, abridged history of video games. Um, it was interesting. It glosses over some things, some major things, though. And it's the the way it was organized is kind of weird um, because they really don't talk about the so-called godfather of video games until like the last episode. Yeah. You would think that it was uh, it would have been the very first thing that they talk about. But I it's, do like uh, how they go. It's, it's E.T., right? From Atari. That's the godfather of video games. <laughs> no, but they do no. talk to the creator of E.T., <laughs> They oh, did they? Yeah, I they they basically go over like the broad strokes of the video game history. Um, they they go over very little bit about the crash that happened, and then how Nintendo kind of took over, and then the rivalry between Nintendo and Sega, the rise of 3D gaming, and then the uh, MPAA for video games, the ERSB, mm-hmm. um, ESRB, uh, ESRB, mm-hmm. and uh, that's I, I mean ER- they they. They score some cool interviews with certain people. They talk about some stuff that I wasn't even aware of, like the creator of or the inventor of the console with a uh, cartridge system was actually an African-American engineer that most oh. people aren't even aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like originated that whole like formula, which mm-hmm. was later adapted by Atari. Um, which was the company that was founded by Ralph Baer, who is the so-called godfather of gaming, and so on and so forth. Um, it's really interesting, but I feel like it's if you don't really care about the history of video games, there's not a lot there for you that you don't already know, probably <clears throat> just pop culture. Yeah, um, that was my I really, Yeah, I really do like the the section where they start going into the uh, the rise of Sega because they really show you like how meticulous they were. Um, and how the, the, the main difference also between like Nintendo of Japan and Nintendo of America is such a different concept for like management that every time they're brought together, everybody just talks about how awkward it is and how they don't understand each other and all this uh, miscommunication that goes on. Um, but there was a really interesting section where they talk about uh, there was a couple of engineers from, I think it was like England, who basically figured out how to do 3d technology on the game boy and like they were afraid that they were going to get sued because they were essentially tampering and hacking the hardware and when nintendo got wind of it they were actually so impressed they gave them a contract they're like you come over here and do that too and that's how the fx chip was born and we got games like Star Fox on the snes and it just 
it was just two guys. Two guys were from England were brought over uh, to Japan. They were given one small closet room to code in. And it was the one part of the building where Shigeru Miyamoto was allowed to go smoking. <laughs> so they were basically like always working under a cloud of smoke under Miyamoto. While he basically told them, I think the character should be like a, a fluffy fox. And they're like, okay. And it kind of went from there. Like hearing the stories about how things came about, how they came up with. Uh, you know, certain things. Star Fox was actually inspired by a uh, a shrine in Japan that has all these really interesting archways. So, like, the main programmer was walking through there one day, just kind of trying to get ideas for the game. At that point, they only had an idea. And I was like, okay, it's going to be like a flying simulator, but, you know, the hardware's still all not that great. So if you're just going to be flying in open space, it's going to be boring. So they got the idea to... Uh, fly through arches from walking through this pathway they had a bunch of arches and i was like oh that's really cool and that turned out to be like a temple that was dedicated to a specific fox like deity so that's how that whole thing came about and i was like oh that's really cool um but again like it's uh, it goes into the creation of 3d technology on the computers too with uh um, was it romita or and um creation of doom and Wolfenstein and all that. And uh, I love when they go into Mortal Kombat. They finally acknowledge directly from the creators that that was meant to be a Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle that they later could not get, like, I don't know, some kind of legal thing processed in that. So Jean-Claude Van Damme dropped out. But they still kept his likeness and his signature crotch-punching move. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, okay. so wait, what did you think of the next level? Uh, it was actually really entertaining. Like, it's not something I would have paid to go see in theaters. Um, but I actually really liked the idea of The Rock playing two different characters, basically. <laughs> two very different characters. Um, I thought Aquafina was like a weird addition, but I also liked her portrayal of essentially trying to copy Danny DeVito <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kevin Hart too, doing like a much more subdued character was also really interesting. I'm like, I it, honestly, it kind of makes me want to go watch the other one now just to kind of see what I missed. Cause there was a lot of stuff I didn't understand here. Welcome to the jungle is, is a much is, isn't much better than the, than that one, but it is better. Yeah. The, I, I'm guessing there were some carryover jokes like Colin yeah. Hanks at some point makes an appearance. <laughs> played by one of the jokes. Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting, and they definitely left it open for yet another sequel. So I don't know. Oh yeah, I to... opened a lot more than for the a third sequel than this one, than the first sequel was left open for a second sequel. If yeah. that makes sense, this could be my new Star Wars since I started with the original with Empire and then I went back. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe if I go watch it again, this will be the next trilogy I become really, really engrossed in. You already saw the first original Jumanji a long time ago. That's true, but that's like episode one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but have you have you watched Zathura though? Yes, I have, and I actually okay. really enjoy Zathura. I feel like it's really underrated. It would, and people people crap on it all the time. I, I put both those movies about the same. I just don't care for either one of them. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Well, original, original Jumanji and, and Zathura? Same. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
It's oh. Jumanji, you're remembering it from like your nostalgia. It's not that good of a movie. No, that's a great movie. How dare no, you, sir? It's really good. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> I, I listen. I I cannot separate my nostalgia from this. Okay, I will good. say I did watch it as an older person for the first time. Yeah, uh, like um, be, yeah. being a poor kid, I didn't have a lot of like VHS tapes or anything, so I watched it at like 15. Yeah. Still, I, yeah, I will say I didn't like it when I watched it as a kid. I liked it when I watched it as an adult. So. As an adult, yeah, I did not like it as a kid. As those two, no, I was like, "What? Why is everything trying to kill you?" Like it's just <laughs> <laughs> too much okay. for me. Like, like but, when you became an adult, you were like, "Ah, yes, everything does try to kill you." <laughs> <laughs> Reality is set in at that point. Yeah. I would now. I would. Go ahead, John. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, as an adult, you really appreciate now being able to go back in time and just like live your childhood over again. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of which, that's my least favorite thing about these this Umbrella Academy episode. <laughs> back and reliving things? He doesn't want to. What the fuck? <laughs> you could try this whole puberty thing again. Why aren't you doing that? Oh. Yeah. Actually, well, we'll get to that. but. <laughs> The uh, the younger, well, the older version, but younger bodied version says something very interesting that I didn't realize was a thing in this episode. So we'll get to that in a minute. So all I was going to say was that I was only upset that there wasn't a third board game based movie to to round out that trilogy. So there should have been Jumanji, Zathora, and then something to do with time travel because the first one is the jungle the second one's outer space there should have been a third board game based had battleship. no i mean because that's the one the only way that one involves time travel is that after the experience everyone wishes they could go back and make it not have happened yeah <laughs> well actually you could consider clue then being the first one and then Jumanji is the second no, because there's no board game in Clue. It's based off a of board game. Like those uh, two, those two movies I are. Got you. Wait, oh, what about what about Cloak and Dagger? That one has a board game Ouija? and video games. What about Ouija? <laughs> all right, <laughs> you guys can all stop now. <laughs> we do have to get to the Umbrella Academy episode. We talked about my my week's watch. So, John, are you done? Yes, go ahead. Wait, 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 I, wait, wait. What what platform did you watch the movies on? me yes yes oh uh <laughs> high score and your your stand-up was oh, on yeah. netflix yeah uh high score and the two stand-up specials are both on netflix and jumanji the whatever this one is um was either hbo or stars it was through my amazon account whatever that, that is i think it's stars okay okay i to make sure you get that one in there i was i was getting to it i was i was literally saying high scores on netflix Oh, okay, I I just I just heard you say like my my, my watch. I was like, no no no, we always say. <laughs> uh, I for my week's watch, I got around to watching an older movie that a lot of people had recommended for me that I'd never seen. It was called Backbeat. So it's like a unofficial, unauthorized story of the Beatles in Germany. Uh, you know, having Pete get Pete Best on there is the drummer still and uh Stuart something is who Stephen Dorff plays like he's kind of the biggest name in the movie and Sutcliffe. it huh Stuart Sutcliffe 
Sutcliffe, thank you. Uh, I don't know how accurate this this movie is to what actually happened in history with the Beatles in Germany, but like, I was not prepared for what this movie was. That I'll tell you that right now. Uh, it's a interesting movie. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, wait, wait I, what, is, what is it that makes it interesting that you would say it this way? It's just it's. I, I, the portrayal of the Beatles is 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 a lot more street hooligan than mm-hmm. I, I guess I knew that they were, and um, uh, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of sex and nudity in the movie, and a lot of drug use, and the dude like has straight straight up hallucinations, and while he's doing his art, and it's I just was not prepared for that. I I thought it was going to be a movie about the Beatles and singing songs kind of thing. <laughs> so there's a reason it's unauthorized. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sure everything yeah. you're saying does kind of jive with uh, the behind the scenes stuff I've heard of the Beatles. So. Oh no, no, I I know that that's the stuff that went on. I just wasn't expecting it. Uh, so uh, there was that. I also watched the Tax Collector, David Ayer's new movie that stars. Shia LaBeouf in a supporting role uh, about a two, I wouldn't say mid-level gang members in LA, but they're upper management, I guess, <laughs> way to put it, <laughs> that uh, get into a war with yet a rival gang that uh, does some pretty brutal shit, and just in straight-up David Ayer uh, fashion, he gets a uh, real... The it gets real graphic, it gets real intense, and uh, I would recommend it for people, but just know that Shia does not play a big part. Like the the trailers make you think that he does because he's the name, but other than that, he's he's not really in it all that much. Um, but the the big thing that I wa- I finished off this week was uh Black Monday. It's a TV show, original TV show on Showtime. Um. It's kind. It's a comedy based in the 1980s. I think I talked about the first episode a couple weeks ago when I when I first wa- started it. Uh, I watched all two seasons of it now. Interesting thing about the second season, um, COVID hit right when they were finishing up filming the last part of the second season, so they had to split the season into two when they aired it and. I don't think they were able to finish the very end of the second season so that when you watch the second, the end of the second season, you can tell that people are in like different locations when they're supposed to be talking to each other. And it's, it's very obvious and it's, it's kind of funny, but Don Cheadle, Paul Shear, Regina Paul. Damn it. They even make a big joke about it because it's, it's, I believe it's Regina Hall. that's in the show, but uh, people keep calling her Regina King or they mistake her for Regina King or it's the other way around. And that's a thing that happens in real life too. The two of them get mistaken for each other all the time. They get, they get fan mail for each other and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, they even get mail like, like gifts from studios for each other. Like the studios don't even know <laughs> which one they're actually sending to. Wow. So which one was in uh, Watchmen? That was Regina. Right? King. King. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Regina Hall, and she, and she keeps getting mistaken for Regina King in the show. And the funny thing is, is that I did not realize that Regina King had been acting for as long because this takes place in the 1980s. 
and Regina King was in 227, the TV show at that time. So people keep mistaking her for the actress Regina King who's on 227 because they say they 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 make the joke that whenever a black person is in a uh, a place where white people don't believe they should be, the only reason why they're there is because they're famous. So they she must be Regina King from 227. <laughs> I thought it was a funny joke. Anyways. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's good. <laughs> uh, so if you like that kind of humor, it's very black humor. It's very, uh, it's all about stock market stuff and, and how they're all pretty much screwing each other over or screwing over the people uh, to get rich. It's a good watch. They do a little bit of the same thing they do with the big short where they'll, they'll, turn to the side, look at the camera and say, this is what is actually happening. And this is why, you know, people are getting screwed over kind of thing. Uh, I was gonna say, how, how did this one, um, this stuff hold up? Cause we had talked about people's waning favor for David air. Oh, for that kind of return to form. Uh, I, I mean, I still like fury better. Um, and, uh, uh, I like Bright. I like Same. uh what was it? what's his oh End of Watch. End of Watch is probably the best movie that he's made in my opinion. That one is is so much better even though that's kind of that's kind of a found footage film even and I said I don't like those but that's a that's a really good movie. This one is good. It's interesting. It's got a really interesting story. Just just be prepared for the graphic gratuitous violence so to speak. Mm. That's it. Okay. So uh, before, right. before Sorry. we continue, uh, you were bringing up that uh, movie about the Beatles. Have you ever heard of a? It's I, I want to say it's a mockumentary because there's no way it's legitimate. Uh, but there was a sort of documentary released a few years ago called uh, "The Last Will and Testament of George Harrison." I have not. It is incredible. Uh, it's basically the the Paul is dead conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it begins all serious with this guy like speaking directly to camera, saying, um, we received this package in the mail. This was uh, some time after George Harrison died. And it's an audio recording of George Harrison basically giving it away that uh, Paul is dead and <laughs> was replaced by, uh, by uh, uh, a stand-in or you know, basically an imitator. And he just goes through like the whole catalog of the Beatles is essentially um, clues or hints that Paul died and he was replaced. <laughs> and he'll explain it, he puts all these it it was wonderful from like a really satirical like conspiracy theory like point of view because it's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> the, the, the way that they supposedly come up with the song I am the Lawrus <laughs> was um oh yeah it's uh, i don't want to ruin too many of these stupid surprises but uh, it's it's wonderful if you want to see something ridiculously stupid uh the actor who plays the young paul mccartney in, in backbeat i think at some points looks exactly like paul mccartney and then at some points looks just like billy joe armstrong from green day like i think it's very <laughs> uh <see> that. yeah <laughs> So that movie is on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, Tax Collector is VOD, and Black Monday is on Showtime. So let's go ahead and get into Umbrella Academy season two, episode seven and eight. Uh, 
All right, guys, we're in a home stretch now. Episode seven, Oga for Oga, and episode eight, the seven stages. I thought these two were great. What did you guys? <laughs> Definitely they were great. episodes. Yeah, they were, so, they were painful to watch. Painful <laughs> because yeah, of events or quality. Event. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you mean by quality, Stephen? Stephen. No, no, I I like it very much. I I love this series through and or like this season through and through. I just like I don't I don't know if she cut out a little bit or what it was, but all I heard was just painful to watch. I was like, what? Why? Oh, they said they were enjoyable but painful to watch because mm-hmm. you could see the bad mistakes coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was hard. As so you're just you know, sitting there hopeless, going, no, that's you're, you're going to make the wrong decision. Don't make the wrong decision, please. <laughs> Well, I got this. I'll meet you there and be like, oh, God, all you people. <laughs> <laughs> all so stupid. I have never related more to five than, than these two episodes. Or I'm just like, five's just like, no, no, that's that's impossible with this family. And I was like, yeah, no, he's right. This is freaking impossible with this stupid family. <laughs> five is also like the some of the biggest issue, like problems. Like, yeah. He doesn't tell anybody what it is that's happening. He just says, do it because I said so. And thus, all of them being super independent are going to be like, fuck you. I'm doing what I want. Yeah. Why, why does he think that the, like literally everyone in this show is a different aspect of uh, Hargreaves? They just <laughs> chose one thing to embody as a whole and they just live it. And his whole thing is just being an asshole and saying, no, you do what I do, what I, what I tell you to do because I told you to do it. And lo and behold, Nobody wants to fucking do that like they have not wanted to do anything Hargreaves said before in their life. Although, so here's my, here's my other half of the issue. Diego is not portrayed as being the brightest of the bunch. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yet he's the one who figures out, well, if I go watch what happens when JFK gets shot, maybe I'll figure out what's going on. Like, he at least has the foresight. Like, once he's dumped in the commission and knows what's going on. Why is five not going? Hmm. Maybe I should break into the commission and see what they're seeing. He just he there's going to be a doomsday, so he just needs to. He just he, all his his thought is save my family. He doesn't care that doomsday is happening. He just needs to save his family, which except is not if, is admirable. Except if doomsday happens in the 1960s, they get back to 2019. There is no 2019. I mean, obviously, this time travel is all wonky. So. <laughs> It wouldn't have happened because Vanya wouldn't have done her thing because she wouldn't have been electrocuted yeah. and on a LSD. It does assume that that if his family isn't there, Doomsday doesn't happen. Also, well, I yeah. I want to point out this is the okay. Go ahead. Okay, this is the first time Diego's ever been given access to knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I like like, like maybe giving him. <laughs> information not such a bad idea since he clearly goes oh okay if i allow j if i allow vanya to blow up the fbi building and jfa jfk to live that is what causes doomsday once he's presented with that evidence he drops the save jfk and goes to the stop vanya like he can clearly make the correct logical decision of one person the world. Yeah, but I think that this is the first time that he actually believes that Doomsday is going to happen. When when Five tells him, he doesn't believe it. He just, they're just saying it's Five saying more kooky bullshit. Well, you would think, but after Five ended up being right about Doomsday happening the first time, 
I think that's more of the issue, though. Like, imagine being a person who's who's like a binge drinker. You drink so much your entire life. You go into the doctor, and you're like, like they're like, okay, well, we did the scan of like of your of your your liver. You know, like we like you had wanted to. I know your father had a history of this or that. Uh, and no, you have the liver of a man half your age. You're just gonna keep drinking. And so mm-hmm. I think in this situation, they were like, yeah, we we stopped doomsday before why are we worrying about a doomsday we'll figure it out when we get to that bridge in the last five seconds and then if we don't fix it out then we'll just time travel again yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I actually think it's the other way like diego said well last time five all you told us was that the world ended in five days that's all you knew mm-hmm. and we couldn't stop it so why am i going to bother trying when again all you know is that it occurs in 10 days like that so what you know unless you have more information you that know. didn't do us any good last time. It's not going to do us any good this time. Well, now he has more information. I'm just trying <laughs> to figure out why Five didn't go get more information. Because he doesn't want to go back to the mission. Also, Five's an asshole, guys. <laughs> They're all narcissists. Like, <laughs> I mean, that is all true. I, I, this, this whole season is just like the education of Diego. Diego is the most redeeming character in this entire series now. <laughs> You know what? The, at the beginning of episode seven, both him and Luther just come off like complete nimrods. <laughs> yeah. They see the thing on the ground and they're like, Olga Faroga, that must be who killed Elliot. And they find one and they call her and threaten her. <laughs> well, Luther was trying to talk to her nicely and get some information. Diego went straight to the threatening. I think <laughs> I know your family. Luther's come to the realization that he's not the leader and that he shouldn't have ever been put in the leader role. So he's like, all right, I, I did well as Jack Ruby's like henchman. I can just mm-hmm. be someone else's henchman now. <laughs> I know. That's clearly the role I'm This I'm is my role. For. So Plus, it's just easier. You don't have to make decisions. You just get trained in a direction and go. <laughs> but what what I'm also curious about is clearly Hargreaves taught them multiple multiple languages, mm-hmm. and clearly five knows Swedish. So did he pick that up with the commission, or was it taught by Hargreaves? And why didn't none of the other ones well, of them speak Swedish? Well, he didn't take a name, so I mean, he might have his. I don't know. He might have been from like because Vanya knows Russian, and we know that she's the baby that was born in the Russian pool. Mm. Diego maybe speaks Spanish. That might be racist. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Okay. I mean, he could have taught them all the language. Doesn't necessarily mean they've retained it. That's true. Yeah. I was too. gonna say because yeah. <laughs> five does say that he made them learn the ancient Greek. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, true. that's true. And that they were, you know. They were taught multiple languages. Mm-hmm. So I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, they're supposed to have learned a whole bunch of languages and everything. I think it's about who used what. Like, I used to be a lot better at Spanish in junior high because everyone around me spoke in Spanish, like mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, at this point in my life, I know practically no Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You need to constantly use the second language if you're going to actually retain that second language, especially if you learn it later on. So. Mm-hmm. That feels at least that logical fallacy. <laughs> I mean, you should have at least looked at the umlauts over the words, right? and that should have tipped you off. Like that. oh, that's not English. They had fantastic penmanship <laughs> in blood. Yes, yeah, they had a lot of blood to work with. <laughs> Apparently, 
So honestly, go- speaking about the Swedes. Oh, sorry, John. Oh, go ahead. But speaking about the Swedes, how is it that uh, Allison and, and Roy? Is that her husband? Ray. Ray. Ray let the other Swede leave after he kills his brother. I feel bad about it. <laughs> kind of yeah, the guy who's trying to kill you. Let me just let him leave. No, I'm with you. I didn't understand why Allison d- didn't have a, a knife behind him waiting for the other guy to stop moving and then or stab him. I heard a rumor you also killed yourself. Like, <laughs> done. And, and honestly, she can do that kind of thing. So I don't know that why, that wasn't what she decided to use for it. We've seen her string together commands like you do for like a Google Home or an Alexa. <laughs> yeah. this and this like she's done that before right so i just i i thought it was interesting because when the scene cut to the next one and she, he's already back home or whatever and i'm just like wait what happened where <laughs> that, that shouldn't have been the end of the fight <laughs> maybe her power was on the cooldown yeah it's fair you, you have to wait like 15 seconds you know yeah or she was just too concerned about ray, ray and the look on his face when she that's why you walk out while you take Ray and while he kills himself and you don't worry about it. <laughs> you have him take the body and just like walk away and jump off yeah. a cliff somewhere. That's, that's I, the one I think you use. I think you get really good at telling people you kill him and then you disposed of the body somewhere where nobody would find it. <laughs> I do, however, I think my favorite line in both these episodes was when Klaus shows up while Bray and Allison are trying to decide what to do with the body. He goes, oh, it's going to be one of those nights. Are we burying or burning? And of course, like, he doesn't just, do anything to help them. <laughs> I, but I, I, very nonchalant, like, oh, of course, we just, we're going to dispose of this body tonight. Okay, that's fine. I'm sure his cult has is, is buried a few <laughs> bodies. I, I thought this might have been also a, a little bit of a nod to Misfits, because this is not yeah. something that happened in the original comic. So It definitely has to. Also, they're dealing with a dead Swede. I'm like, he's the seance. Why didn't he commune with the spirit of the dead body and try to get some more information or something? Some kind I've actually, of interaction there. I've always had a little bit of a theory about, about Klaus's powers in general. Okay. Um, I think Klaus's powers are basically like at all times being like taxed almost to the max, uh, maintaining Ben being around. Oh. Yeah. That's that's not a bad idea. Cause and plus he's also inebriated. Like we know that when he's inebriated, he he takes it yeah, takes away some of his power. Mm-hmm. So so kind of running through these in a bit more chronological order, we begin <laughs> with the Milwaukee Polka Massacre. Yeah. This is where yep. the uh, the leaders of the commission, um, whatever they call them, uh, are having their little meeting in 1982 Milwaukee for <laughs> some reason. The board and the board, yes, thank you. <laughs> like time control, what did they call themselves? <laughs> uh, the CEOs. Uh, I finally realized that the fish man has a name, it's AJ. Yeah, I didn't realize that until this episode either. I had missed that around the first time, and um, they um, I, I wonder what that stands for. I'm trying to come up with some kind of acronym for it. It could literally just be a real name, and that's his initials. And I'm like, that's weird for a fish, you know human body it's allison but, janney um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what else? you know what's also weird that when five hits the body in a knee the fish says ow like i don't quite understand how that happened <laughs> yeah i thought it was a robot body like robot dixon from futurama but that's what i think oh that 
robot robot uh the, like that's not that's not a robot agnew is a body oh that's true in futurama he's yeah. using spiro agnew's body yeah oh, yeah well there I is futurama. Uh, <laughs> a robot body though isn't he what agnew or uh nixon he uses a robot body at some point doesn't he oh yeah like, yeah oh yeah no he he when he when he becomes president again in the future he has a massive kill death robot <laughs> Okay, that's what I thought. So, either way, I still don't understand why AJ's the fish feels the pain when <laughs> when five is hitting the body. Now, also, why did uh, five go into a rage when trying to get the fudge nutter, causing him to destroy the vending machine? I caught that the rage against the vending machine scene, <laughs> which is almost puts a, a whole like hinder on this entire massacre because then the lady that he spoke to at the beginning has a real problem with him causing that <laughs> structural damage completely ignoring all the dead bodies around her i just assume that even though he doesn't have an issue with killing it's like killing a whole bunch of people in a small room like he just had to psych himself up and he needed the sugar that the candy bar was going to give him but he didn't get it so yeah, rage yeah <laughs> he, remember for uh, for five at this point this is like all of the events of the first season and this season that's just one whole string of things right happening right after he was supposed to like go and kill jfk no stop the kill killing no. of JFK. he was supposed to preserve the timeline he was supposed yeah. to preserve the time make sure JFK. yeah but he, i just assume that he's there to make sure that no one else stops oswald not that he is supposed to He's Kill. supposed to ensure that JFK dies somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah that's fair. That's how I read it. But yeah, um, like for this one, like he's just been going, man. He's had the worst two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wanted a damn candy bar. You know, all I wanted was a Pepsi. I mean, I did love it when he talks to younger, older five in the diner. <laughs> you 14 days from now. <laughs> It's just such a weird look between the two of them. Like, what? <laughs> you know, older, younger five has some of the best faces in that scene. It's just like this quizzical, unbelievable look at everything that he's witnessing. This is it's true. Great. I love it when he tries to recreate uh, the younger actor who plays fives like crazy eyes because he has the best crazy eyes <laughs> in the world. I don't think that the older guy, I, I think they should have had him spend like two days with the actor yes like learning the mannerisms because those are two different characters but also klaus acting or robert sheehan acting like the actor who plays ben did not come off well either like that, yeah that's it's a thing that's a thing that you get in just about any body swap movie like the other actors don't spend the time they need to act like the other person it just doesn't yeah. happen that's why shazam was so good like the but, film Shazam, because they had had like they, they spent next to no time with each other uh, to bring in a whole different thing. Sorry, but like they did a great job. So you like the fact that they didn't act like each other? No, they, they did act like each other, I felt. Oh, that's the biggest complaint that everybody has with that movie. And this is really a tangent, but like that Zachary Levi does not act like Angel Asher, like because Angel a Asher, like is so much more serious as little Billy Batson than Zachary Levi is as an adult or as Shazam. I, I don't know. I guess like the time when we see him be happy 
which is what you would be if you got this like like superpower in that moment. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like I I felt like the time when he was happy in the movie that you know that's neither here nor there. We'll get into that <laughs> the DCEU later. See, and I took Five's frustration with the vending machine being the frustration that he had to make a deal with the handler in general. Yeah. That oh. he doesn't he doesn't mind killing if it's because he's made the decision that somebody needs to die. He hates he doesn't like the having to kill just on somebody else's orders to make it basically making a deal with the devil. Mm. And so I think he was already on edge about that fact, not the killing itself. And so he took that frustration out on the vending machine so that he could do the assassination with a more clear head. Speaking of five, who do you think is more powerful Vanya or five? I'm going to say Vanya because they have that standoff and Vanya is the one that backs down. Yeah, I, I think I think it's Vanya. They both did. Like what was that? What'd was you that say, John? I got the impression they both did. They both backed yeah. down simultaneously. Oh. I think Vanya's powers are more powerful, but I think Five would be the one to win in a fight because I think Five would think faster. He's more experienced. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Vanya would hesitate too much because she doesn't recognize what she can or can't do to so, its fullest extent. So then take out the experience. Who has the, the stronger power set? Probably it, Vanya. I think yeah. probably Vanya. Yeah. Cause I, this is like a Jean Grey versus the Phoenix kind of situation. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mean that one of them is Jean Grey. One of them is the Phoenix. I think Jean Grey is as a person, like sure. She uses her powers and stuff. Like when Vanya uses her stuff consciously, she does good things. But when she goes into like crazy, like, Avatar Phoenix state <laughs> yeah. over for everybody. But yeah. like blows up the moon. I mean, if you take into <laughs> account that he's not just a teleporter, that he can also travel through time, like mm-hmm. I feel like that's more powerful. I mean, you could go back to the beginning of the fight and stop it before it even starts, before yeah. Vanya even powers up. That would but require him to have control over that. And as he's proven he's not willing to take the time to learn how to use that. That's fair. Well, but I'm talking about just in power sets. No, I, I, I'm, I stand by this one because he. We've also seen him get tired to the point where he can't use it. It's true. That's and also that true. has not happened for Vanya. That's also true. Okay. It's fueled by the vibrations around her, so I don't know if mm-hmm. she could run out of because she could just clap her hands. Like, well, we saw her use her own heartbeat in the first season yeah. when she gets yeah. out of that room. So, yeah. So. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> but John, so he destroyed a vending machine. Good. Yes. Uh, kills all the, the board and delivers the uh, fish in a bag, which was pretty awesome and how humiliating that must have been for AJ yeah. to the handler. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty clear now that the handler is uh, definitely a psychopathic authoritarian, but I did love her choice of Soviet-style uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Like those are pretty hot. I'm like, that's awesome. I like that. I like the riding boots in the one. I didn't care for the beret, but that one had the the boots in it, which was the jack boots, which kind of yeah. interesting. And she promotes Lila to be the uh, head, head of security. security. And uh, we'll skip in a little bit of a head here, but I'll just wrap up that part of the the plot line. So she chooses Diego to be like her, basically second in command. That's what one does. Yeah. And, which leads. I have to say it's probably one of my favorite lines in this series. The handler tells Lila 
that her vagina needs glasses. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, that's, that's a phrase in English I never thought I'd hear. Spoken out loud. See, well, but, but but when you hear it in the original German, it's just uh, <laughs> it rolls like music. I understand. It's, it it rings like bells. <laughs> I know I'm going to have to look that up. I'm going to type that into Google Translate. <laughs> look for that in my Twitter. I will post that. Um, um, but yeah, so yeah, so kind of skipping a few steps ahead of that. She kidnaps Diego while he was trying to bury poor Elliot. And I, I love that scene too. <laughs> what you say, I Mitch? love that whole scene. Huh? Oh, I just Mitch? said he's still just left there because since Diego was kidnapped in the middle of it like Elliot is just sitting there dead in a wheelbarrow. They can send it send who? Heeb, right? Herb? Herb. Oh. <laughs> Herb is a character. Yeah. Herb's the Herb's, he's the best. He had like honestly I, I said that Diego has the best like kind of like redemption arc and everything. Herb might have he might also be a strong contender for that purely for his one zinger earlier on. <laughs> where she says like I think shit's bigger than her <laughs> sounds like someone needs to like, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect pretty good. I, I like her because her shows the power of knowing the bureaucracy I was gonna say he's just all about the bureaucracy he doesn't care you know about anything else he's like but she's upsetting the bureaucracy like, <laughs> good and, but his wealth of information is Highly useful Very. and proving highly useful. If, Is if he they were cleaning up the Swede's body? Well, yes, he just said, you know, oh, we can do remain retrieval. He said we could. He didn't say he was going to. I, I, that's what I'm asking. I mean, it's implied, but we don't know exactly what happens from this point on. And okay. Two episodes should have a lot of answers for us. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Steven smile. They won't. <laughs> All right, so Fife fulfills the mission, but then there's a little caveat, little fine print, that they only have 90 minutes now to, to get out of there. And that's where all of our problems seem to uh, surface here, because then you have everybody spread across town, and uh, some of them don't want to go right away. Vanya specifically kind of throws a wrench in this whole situation, uh, because she's not supposed to, to bring anybody, but she's insisting on bringing Sissy and the kid. I can't remember his name now. I'm sorry for the actor. And uh, yeah, so the sissy kind of ruins that plan by leaving a note. They get pulled over by Carl's brother. That's also a sheriff. Yeah. Which causes her to show her powers, which causes her to get knocked out. And now she's in an FBI station being tortured and questioned for possible treason. And put on LSD because that's what you should do when you think somebody has supernatural powers is... Cause them to lose control. <laughs> and it was the sixties. They were kind of free with it. I said <laughs> it's the sixties. <laughs> Everybody was doing acid. <laughs> now that does bring me to probably my favorite moment of season two so far. And there's been a lot of good moments, <laughs> but I just absolutely love when she starts tripping balls. And again, that butthole surfer song starts playing. <laughs> And it's just such a great juxtaposition to what she's experiencing and seeing eyeballs in random places and all of the squiggles. I'm like, yep, these people have done acid before. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
it was pretty great. I love that song. I haven't heard that song since like 1996, I think. But I still remember the lyrics, and that scares me. <laughs> They're pretty memorable lyrics. Yeah, they are. It's a simple song, but it's quite effective. Uh, I think the last time I heard of that band in general was like in Guitar Hero 2. I think there was one of their songs on there, but it wasn't this one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a band that lives in the zeitgeist, but Man, were they memorable for my teens. <laughs> so that being said, that pretty much wraps up all of episode seven. But now, has... wait a second. Would the FBI take her to a black site that was so close to the president's route in the first place? I don't think so. No. I don't think so either. Yeah, right? It's just... <laughs> I mean, that's just where they happen to have their black site. What was that? That might just be where they happen to have their black site. You know? It's true, but you could take her to someplace outside of Texas where the president's not going to be. Now, you know what? Honestly, this might be a, one of the situations of like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Ah, uh, like I'll I'll talk that up to that one if it's like different agencies uh, in charge of the two different things. Except for the fact that everybody knows he's going to be in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, and, that's and Plus, he. he also- Go ahead. I was just say he's even saying something about the president being in town. Like you're here and the president's in town. It's not coincidence. I, I think it's one of those expediency over intelligence. Okay. In that guy that, didn't look that intelligent. What? So that guy didn't. That agent didn't look that intelligent. No. <laughs> just you know, we need to get the answers out of her now before the president gets here, so we don't have time to transport her. That's fair. Because we don't have you know super fast planes. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got planes, but nothing that's going to get her to a faraway site fast enough to get the information we need. Mm-hmm. It also seems like they kind of figured they had it all under control. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah She's definitely. a small little girl. Yeah, they had, a, they had the person ready with the chloroform behind her and, you know, who would think that somebody would be able to do anything while being in, like, electroshocked and tortured, like Guantanamo Bay. Um, I wonder what exactly that does for somebody, by the way, too. Like, be shocked while having your feet in water. Is that just for better conductivity? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, that doesn't look like it's very, very you fun don't get, to experience. You don't get marks that way. Mm-hmm. It was like, now, exit. <laughs> interesting little plot detail in this episode, too, in the, the eighth episode, the seven stages, which refers to the seven stages of, uh, was it? paradoxical psychosis yes um, we have to get into that in just a minute but grace is now suspicious of uh, hargreaves i still stand by the fact that hargreaves is going to kill grace before the end of the season yeah i, I still do too diego's going to kill his mother again i don't know i don't think diego will i think oh no no but what diego does oh, leads yeah. to her death in that yeah. way yeah. <laughs> uh that's going to mess with him isn't it <laughs> Yeah, because that's what <laughs> they the, need. They need more the issues. <laughs> Although Grace has the same appearance as their mother, I mean, they're not the same person. So in reality, <laughs> it's just causing the death of some random stranger for him. No, but it still would mentally. I was going to say, does that really sound like Diego to you? No, <laughs> he's not true. great at compartmentalizing. <laughs> Particularly since when he first saw her, he called her mom. Yeah. yeah. He can't justify it to himself. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the... Uh, 
the seven stages of the paradox thing. So I didn't write them down. So we're just going to have to gloss over them. But basically, <laughs> he goes through this whole list of uh, symptoms that you'll experience when you come into contact with your uh, with yourself in yeah, the same timeline. Paranoia, itchiness, flatulence. Oh, well, paranoia denial. Is it's denial first, then itch. Then uh, flatulence. Flatulence, and then excessive um, urination. Then sweating. Sweating. Yeah. Then um, the last one's homicidal rage. Yeah. yeah. Paranoia, then homicidal rage. Yeah. I don't remember the order. There was just a lot of farting and peeing. Yeah. <laughs> farting and sweating. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, five looked like he was already halfway there by this point. <laughs> so was older five. Because yeah. he went to the pee. <laughs> He's obviously paranoid. Both of them are farting. Yeah. <laughs> and older five is commit is contemplating homicidal rage. So, you know. <laughs> I really like that too by the way I like how in the bathroom when they have a little moment alone older younger five is like hey we need to kill that one and that'll yeah. fix everything like I, I know what we need to do now and now Luther's like wait a minute like who do I trust here five yeah. do I listen to well I, that's I, what I'm saying. Like, I like how easily Luther was convinced he's like he's like Ooh. no no that's not the actual me that's a that's a clone like it's a that's, third nipple. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a thing that wasn't supposed to happen. And now that if I go back, I can make it. We can change it because you you know that Vanya is going to cause it, so we can stop it all from. He's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, as as soon as it was five and Luther having to deal with this, I was literally like, oh my god, this is going to go so great. Like, <laughs> yeah, Luther so, was the wrong person to bring along. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they like. So this scene God. brings up something that I was really curious about. Um, five, older, younger five, the small five. Let's call them okay. that. Small. Uh, and big. They're both actually yeah. the same height. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, true. Like um, gray hair. Yeah. No, like hair five. Hair five. Hair? Okay. Yeah. Old old five. He's bald, isn't he? Or bald? No. no. He's got. He's got hair. What? How about you do Child 5? There we go. Child 5. Um, child 5 says that when he, when older... Uh, adult. Old five, adult 5, yes. Uh, grow, uh, goes back in time. He gets the formula wrong, which causes him to revert back to that younger stage, and it's permanent. And yeah. I've heard anyone say that before. I hadn't yeah. heard that either. He, I thought that was interesting that he th- that child five threw that out there that it was permanent. I, it sounds great. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I, that's like, a double for now. <laughs> that like that one's it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he should have to be a child for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, and I mean honestly, like if you had to choose a child to be to to exist as the one that has the face of like. Like a much older person, not a bad decision. <laughs> okay. Was anybody else also creeped out by the handler's comment about him filling out his uh, boy shorts? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, is that going to be an issue? If they, I mean, I'm sure Netflix won't go past the season three, but like, is the actor going to get bigger? Like. Honestly, man, I don't think I don't think that that person gets that much taller. At okay. This point. Like, 
Yeah, I, I think he's pretty much around that height forever. Okay. <laughs> well, now my I question mean, is, yeah, does he, he still have to keep running around in those shorts? Does he what? Does he what? still have to keep... Like, nobody else keeps wearing their umbrella yeah. uniform. He's the only one that's, like, adamantly wearing the, the little jacket with the shorts. He hasn't stopped. That's why Steven brought it up earlier. Like, it's been 14 days of just nonstop. Yeah. He, like, Everybody else had a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But then Vanya, she had a couple of months. But uh, Elizabeth did bring it up, though. Like, does he bathe? Does he take a shower? Does he wash his clothes? Like, well, he, he bathed after the massacre because he was all bloody and mm-hmm. then he woke up. Yeah, and he, he like pressed his outfit. He did. <laughs> like, who's got time for that? Well, he does. He's a time traveler. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, and that being said, too, we also see that Diego is going through the orientation in the, uh, uh, at the, how oh, can I think of words? The commission. Mm-hmm. At the commission. The commission. commission. Yes. The <laughs> coffee's not working this morning. Um, yeah. And it reminded me of something really uncomfortable because he's watching that, like, orientation film on literal film like on a projector mm-hmm. uh-huh. like, wow when i was like in fifth grade i think our sex ed class was on a reel-to-reel projector <laughs> that sounds right old it was and it was a film from like the 70s <laughs> probably had all kinds of accurate information <laughs> i mean there was definitely some outdated hairstyles and pants in there <laughs> Women, make sure you clean off the toilet seat because you could get pregnant that way. You don't <laughs> want to catch the sex fever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I love that scene because it also reminded me of the introduction to Fallout 3 when you're taking your goat exam. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it, it looks just like that. It's, it's awesome. Excellent. <laughs> I love the commission's like retro futuristic look. I hope that we get more of that. Um, but, yeah, Diego one. sees that opportunity to just like bug out goes into the uh, switchboard room his see, first intelligent thought he's had i think all season but see that's where i had an issue like i feel like if you would have watched the rest of the orientation film you you would get more information like <laughs> that's their problem they see the one thing and they don't they don't read the whole instructions and then you don't know about the consequences kind of thing so if you would have waited maybe there would have been more information at the end of the orientation film yeah, it's, it's oh, very reactionary. He probably missed all the warnings that go along with it. Like, oh, and by mm-hmm. the way, you don't want to do this because... Uh, but he gets help from Herb and La Resistance. La Resistance! <laughs> there are some people that are on the side of the old ways and don't like the new regime. Uh, so they find out during that sequence that it's uh, it's Vanya's fault. But yes, we don't know yet that she's being forced into this state, not that Vanya's acting like willy willfully evil mm-hmm. that would be my question at that point because diego comes to the realization that it's always going to be vanya vanya is always going to be the bomb right like is he going to correct himself from the last time they tried to go and take out vanya and like try and talk to her this time or is he going to just go out there and try and take out vanya again i think because they got there after she already started implosion that he's not going to correct it. Okay. I think if they'd gotten there earlier. Three minutes earlier. Three minutes earlier, I think he might have tried. 
Hmm. Well, that might be where Five and Hargreaves' conversation of you only have to go back a few seconds or a few minutes. and That's, that's true. Difference. That could be where we see this take place. That's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't know. I mean, I definitely can't wait to finish it now because I'm like, what's going to happen here? It's crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. We're going to end up with a season three. Yeah, but w- they can't just jump to another time again for season three. So, what's- why not? <laughs> Because it, it, that's just that would work out well. You you don't repeat the same thing again. They're gonna have to end up. They're gonna jump, but they're gonna end up going to like another dimension or another planet or something like they're that. They're gonna jump to the commission. No, I think they're whatever that place that Hargreaves was when you see in the first season where the the people are dying oh, and planet thing, whatever that was. Yeah, whatever that is, that's where they're gonna go next. Now, I have a theory kind of along those lines, Mitch, that if we do have a season three, it's probably going to be one of those self-fulfilling prophecy things where they end up wherever Hargreaves is as a youngster, Mm -hmm. and they have to train him because he has possibly all of their powers combined or something crazy like that. So they have to use everything that they learned growing up to make him into the hard ass that he then becomes the way (laughs) And it's going to be like like a Futurama, like circular thing where the end leads into the beginning. Was, what, there's there's a movie where there's like four ghosts. They're trying to like train up a person. They're, they're kind of like his parents. Do you guys remember this movie? Beetlejuice? No, it, 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 it uses that song though. Walk like a man. Oh, Heart and Soul with Robert Downey Jr. Heart yeah, and Soul. Yeah. 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 yeah I wow. imagine like that's what I'm imagining for that one. <laughs> you got that off the one song. Oh, it's a big <laughs> it's an important song. <laughs> it, it, it features prominently. I had not thought of that movie since the nineties, man. <laughs> I think of that movie wow. like once a month. That's a very good movie. I mean, it's good. <laughs> it's just, <you> know. <laughs> uh, also, I there think... is a movie called Walk Like a Man, which I think With is Howard Mandel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Raised by wolves. Um, <laughs> I think the the biggest thing to have to do with this episode is that we find out that uh, uh, young Harlan has been transferred over powers from uh, Vanya. Vanya. Mm-hmm. They now have two. That's interesting. Neither one of whom can control their emotions. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> They're just two sides of the same coin. <laughs> They're both tails. that's an interesting coin (laughs) that hurt my head for some reason it's a direct result from when she saved his life from drowning right so does he also have her memories or is it just her powers well he's got a psychic connection to her because when she breaks the glass for the way Carl was treating Sissy, he, he puts, puts her, his hand on her, yeah. telling her to calm down, essentially. Mm-hmm. So earlier when she would be the thing that would calm down Harlan, now he's the thing that's going to be used to calm down her? I think so. If if they manage to calm her down. Mm-hmm. Now, if there is a season three, maybe this is a way of writing around her contract and she doesn't want to come back. All yeah. of her powers and possibly her memories get transferred into Harlan, and then he becomes the new Seven. I, I, Spitballing. I don't know. Yeah. I, 
for this one, I, I think it's like, even though they've played fast and loose and set themselves up for different things that aren't in the comics, there are still pre-established things in this one. Which I mean, like only you know about. Huh? Which I think only you really know about, because none yeah. of us, I think, have read the comics. Mm-hmm. No, I just, I just mean, like, I, I don't think that they'll stray too crazy, like, for, like, say, if Vanya made it through or whatever. I don't think her, like, getting out of her contract would be one. Ah. There's a, there's only two trades though, right? For the comic book? Yeah. Uh, well, there's three. Oh, there is three? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the third came out um, right around the, like, this is somewhere between season one and season two. Okay. Oh, so that's why. Because I remember when we started watching season one, it didn't have, it did there, there were only two. So mm-hmm. anything else you want to go over, John? That's pretty much it. Looks like we're, like I said, in the home stretch. We need Uh-oh. to. Uh-oh. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about the exchange with Ben. I mean, uh, where he was. I loved it. <laughs> he, he possessed Klaus. He really enjoyed getting being able to use his five senses again. Klaus already slept with the love of his life that Ben somehow forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> also, everybody else noticed that. The production team, the 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 set designer, whoever decided just to put loose soil on top of artificial turf for them to play yeah. in instead yeah. of instead of digging an actual hole or something or tilling the ground, like that was the worst part of the episode to me. Like it just like looks so bad. <laughs> it was really bad. I was just so happy because this whole thing, there's the part where um, before Ben Ben said, like, I have unfinished business. <laughs> and that was supposed to be this big motivating thing. He's like, we got to go back. They need you, man. And it's supposed to be for this this great love that he's developed. But at the end of the day, he's still a person who that's probably like his first crush. Yeah, more than likely. Be- and she's just and he's. Like, he's just obsessed with her, too. Like, when he's going over all the things that he knows about her, it's just cringy and creepy. And because she's seeing Klaus, the person that she's deemed, you know, the leader and prophet. Yeah, it's all cool. But, like, if it had been anybody else, it'd be like, I need to get out of here. (laughs) And she'd already slept with him. And she'd already slept with him. Right. Yeah. And, like, he's just, like, at that point in time, the way that he handles it is just kind of like, what? And then, then so much else happens, and he's pulled away, and everything. I don't know. It's it was interesting to see it get resolved in that manner. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. It's a it's a thing that happened in the episode. I just thought it was more comic relief than plot worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely I mean, felt like just tying up a loose end. True. Yeah. Maybe Klaus will let them consummate. He did mention he was a virgin and let them use his body. <laughs> See, I, if they go anywhere with this body possession, I'm really hoping it's that Klaus gets to use Ben's powers when Ben's possessing him. Ooh. That would be an interesting one. Because I, I don't know if like powers... like um, I, I have no idea, but if they're going to go anywhere with it beyond what they've already done, that would be my... Hope. And honestly, when I thought when he puked Ben out, I almost thought for a second there that maybe he, he had, his body had become corporeal, like he had come yeah. back, but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I, I was upset about that. Yeah, that was a lot of puke, too. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> this is like, he's just also, drinking. 
gallons of milk. And why was Ben, as a ghost, also covered in the puke? Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Because it was, what is it, like, ectoplasm? Maybe maybe it was. was Maybe you're right. Yeah, he's reaching the gap. Yeah. But he was up, like, the very next scene. Like, he didn't have it on him anymore. Yeah, he's a ghost. Yeah, what? Magically clean himself. True. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you take the the spam the spam out of the can. You know, there's just that little coating on the outside. It's not mm-hmm. important for later, you know, but it's there in, initially. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Stop <laughs> being a child. Spam is so good. Spam musubi. Spam musubi. All right. There you go, folks. This yeah. Episode seven and eight of season two of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. If you have any opinions or ideas that you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geekly Media. Steven, where can people find you online? You can find me across all social media as Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Gent for short. Jessica? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. John? I am also on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. Oh, one last thing I wanted to mention. Lila acknowledged that Diego looks like a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth. You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media, our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. And uh, check out our website for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts, geekelitemedia.com. Please go to our Patreon that we mentioned earlier. We have lots of exclusive material that you can only get there. And whatever podcatcher you use, if you could please rate and review us so that we could help spread the word of our network so other people can also enjoy what we have to say. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.